for joining us today at Capital City Church. If you are a first-time guest here in the room or online today, welcome. We are so glad you are joining us. In-person guests, please be sure to pick up our gift to you at the Welcome Center in the lobby. Also, please take a moment to complete the connection card found in today's bulletin and place it in the offering bucket as it passes. We look forward to connecting with you and hope you will choose Cap City as your church family. Did you know that hundreds of people will vote at our church November 2nd, Election Day? We want to bless them with a great welcoming experience while they're here. We invite you to serve as a homemade cookie baker, a greeter, or a coffee bar attendant for Election Day. Please sign up at the information desk at the back of the sanctuary. November 7th, first Sunday, is homecoming Sunday at Capital City Church. We'll welcome former members and attenders while honoring our heritage and celebrating our future together. Please invite your friends to reconnect here at Cap City. Meet past leaders, fellowship, and join the hymn sing and cake reception afterwards. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online at capcitychurch.live. That's capcitychurch.live. Also through Cash App, Capital City Church, or by giving a check or cash. Our ushers will be receiving the offering at the end of service. Now, let's stand and worship the Lord together.
You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working And even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop never stop working you never stop you never stop working because even when i don't see you working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop
translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh is Lord. Spirit of Jesus, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person, living within us, pronounced Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Yahweh. A name often considered too sacred to speak, never to fail or forsake. Each person's life was but breath, unending promise. God's divine breath flows through you and those around you. Heaven inside us. When you breathe, you let God in. Whispers the sound of your name. Jesus called out with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Holy is the Lord, the breath of life inside us. Yahweh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I think we ought to give God praise for who he is. Amen. And if Pastor Phil was here, he would tell you that's not good enough. Let's do it again. Let's just tell God we love him. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for all of those that worked so hard uh, to lead us into uh, an authentic counter encounter with God. And before I get into the message today, we have just a, a special, special uh, guest that's with us today. I've known this young lady since she was a little tiny girl. In fact, when Connie and I pastored in Alma, Georgia, way back yonder, her dad and mom uh, pastored in the church called Waycross, Georgia. And we would sit around and long for the days. I don't know whether you remember this, uh, Davina, but we would sit around and long for the days when God would lead us back to the promised land of Ohio. And uh, I have no idea what we thought were thinking in those days, uh, uh, but we thought in those days that if God could just lead us back uh, to the land of Ohio, uh, everything would be good and happy. And I came to Champaign County, and uh, David and Mary came to Reeb Avenue, which was then turned to uh, Grace Ministries, which then became, as they moved the ministry here, and then became beautiful Cap City. Davina and Bill Pennington, would you stand and let Let's give them, man, this is uh, David Bond's daughter and son-in-law, and we are just so thrilled to have you here. I want to tell you what, David Vaughn is one of the best friends I have in my entire life, and he has been a good, good friend, and uh, we used to call him Coach. And he uh, would call every once in a while after he couldn't pastor any longer, and he would coach us. And uh, Davina, please tell your mom and dad we love them and we're thinking about them. And 
It was my birthday yesterday. Now, we, we, we don't uh, count those anymore, you know. After a while, you just start subtracting, you know. But it's David's birthday, David Vaughn's birthday today. And how old will he be, Davina? 80. 80. I think we ought to just give God praise. Amen. I forget how many years in a row it's been since he missed a service. What was it, like 50 or 60 or something like that? Yeah, almost 55 years. But recently missed due to health issues. Oh, he had a streak of 55 years in a row, never missing a worship service. Wow. I can't say that. And I tell you what. God bless him, and we are so, so thrilled that you are here. Well, if you have your Bible, I told you, uh, some of you, in fact, a couple of you came in and said, look what I have today. I actually have a Bible. I know we've got it on our phones and we've got it on our tablets and everything else, but uh, if you have a Bible today, just kind of hold it up. Would you do that? Oh, yeah, three of you. And so, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it's, it's so good. And we're going to get into the word we've been camping here uh, in Romans chapter 8 uh, for some time. And we've been doing this in a series that I have called, If God Be For Us. And let me just ask you, if God be for us, what's the answer? Who can be against us? Let's say that one more time. If God be for us. Who can be against us? And nay, and all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. Say that. Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not in our own strength, but through him that loved us. And so when we, I want you to open your Bible because we're going to be looking at it today. And I want you to open it to verse 17 of chapter 8 in the book of Romans. Uh, but we're not starting there just yet. And, I, and we'll get to reading that. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. And as I mentioned for several weeks, we've been looking in this series, if God be for us, who can be against us? The whole premise the whole premise of this message is that if God is for us and we know that God is with us and we have the assurance of God's presence in our lives, we can overcome whatever we may face in our lives. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. We began this series quite a while ago. Some of you, it's been so long ago, some of you may not even remember it. We began it actually before Pastor Phil and Crystal left. It was the morning they went to Washington Courthouse, and I preached to you out of Romans 8, and the and this title of the sermon, What is the Hardest Verse in the Bible to Believe? You remember we said it was Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good, Wow, to those who love God and the called according to his purpose. So we can be more than a conqueror over the things that we don't understand because God is working them all to our good. Beautiful thought, beautiful thought. And then we began to talk about, after Pastor Phil and Crystal had left, uh, we began to talk about that we could be more than a conqueror over change. And there were so many things changing. Things were changing in the church. Things are changing in the country. Things are changing all around us and everywhere. And sometimes we get afraid of change. But we began to look and understand we can be more than a conqueror over change because of two reasons. 
One is that God is changeless. He does not change. He is always the same. No matter how things change, God always remains the same. But the second part, some of you weren't quite so fast to, to amen on me, and uh, it's okay, you can think it through. And that is that because God is changeless, he effects and loves change. Oh, David, I don't believe that. Yeah, I just want you to know it's true. From the very beginning of time, you can see how God has changed and over and over. And the Bible says he's allowed these things to happen to us so that we might rely on him and not just rely on our comfortable circumstances. Last week we looked at the fact, and I don't know if it moved you like it did me, but as I thought about last week's message and, and preached this to you and, and talked about this, that we can be more than a conqueror over sin. In, in, in Romans chapter 8 and, and those first few verses, beginning with verse 1, tells us that we can be more than a conqueror over sin for our, our guilt. He gives us forgiveness. What a beautiful gift for our bondage. He gives us freedom. For our emptiness, he gives us fullness. For our loneliness, he gives us family. And for our hopelessness, he gives us a future. So today we're going to talk about a subject that's hard. In fact, at the end of this service, I'm going to ask the elders, if they will, to come to the, uh, the front, and there are some uh, vials of oil that are here. We don't do this very often, but I just feel like we ought to do this, that we're going to talk about today that we can become more than a conqueror over suffering. The problem of suffering is one of the most heartbreaking heart-rending things in life. Whether you are the person that's walking through that suffering or whether you're walking with a person and watching them walk through suffering, it is heart-rending. It is heartbreaking. For many years, the church has tried and, and many, even philosophers, have tried to make sense and try to understand this issue of suffering. Why is there suffering in the world and how can we make sense of suffering? And even more, how can we overcome this problem of suffering? The philosophers in the old time were almost ludicrous, and they thought that really suffering didn't exist. Some of them said it was just a figment of the imagination. I'd like to take you into a hospital ward and watch people and say that's just a figment of the imagination. I think that is ludicrous. There are those who are poets who have written about suffering, but they always end up, as they write their poetry, they end up with questions and a haunting sense that I don't know what to do with suffering. Artists and have tried to paint pictures, but they always leave us with a haunting sense that there is no answer of suffering. And through the scriptures, we have tried to understand 
The church has grappled with this matter of suffering, and they've come to different things. Have you ever heard this? If God really loves us, we will never suffer. Wouldn't you like that to be true? Amen. I tell you what, I wish that were the truth. But people who say that don't understand the scripture, nor do they understand the experience of God's people. And then, of course, there are others that would say, if we suffer, then what that means is God really doesn't love us. If we have to go through a real hard time of suffering, God does not care about me. God does not care about my family. God does not care about what I'm walking through. He's just up there somewhere. He does not care. I want you to know that's not true. Have you ever heard this? If you just have enough faith, all your suffering will be over. I listen to some people on television, I think, wow, that'd be great. I command cancer to come out of you right now. I think, oh God, I wish I had that kind of authority and power. Unfortunately, the experience of Scripture and the experience of God's people don't always support that theory. And then the other one, if we really have gone through suffering, we must have really done something bad. I remember one of my family members who had gone through a lot of difficulty. She was serious. And she'd gone through more than her share of suffering. But through tears, as tears rolled down her eyes, she looked at me and said, I think God hates us. I tried to explain God doesn't hate us. Suffering does not come just because we think we have done something wrong. In fact, let me give you uh, just a story. I was pastoring in Champaign County, and I was making my way from the city of Urbana down to the city of Springfield to a hospital. And there was one of the dearest, kindest, most precious ladies that I knew that lived on 68, she lived on a, her and her husband lived on a big farm uh, out there, but the farmhouse was facing 68. And as I drove down that way, I had this sense, I really ought to stop and talk to her. And so I pulled in, it's a different day, we don't do that much anymore, and all kinds of things happen, but back then, that's when pastors actually made calls. You know, they don't do that anymore, but that, that's when they did that kind of thing. And so I stopped in, and I knocked on the door, and I'll never forget as she came to the door, and I could tell she'd been crying. And she said, oh, pastor, I'm so glad you're here today. And I said, well, how can I help you? Would you stop in? Can you, do you just have a few minutes to talk to me? And I said, of course I do. And so we sat down, and she began to tell me about her son who had lived a very rebellious life. I mean, very rebellious. And he had been sent to prison on some kind of crime. And while he was in prison, he came to know uh, some people uh, who were biblically based in some ways, and it helped him, but they rammed into his head 
You only suffer if you don't have enough faith. And if you have faith, all your suffering is over. And she had suffered and suffered. And so when I walked in, she sat down, and immediately she began to sob. And she said, I've been talking to my son. And he says that the reason I'm suffering is because, first of all, I've done something terribly wrong, and God is just punishing me for that. And then she said, and the worst thing he said is that if I just had enough faith, I could throw off all this suffering, and I'd never suffer anymore. And she looked at me, never forget the look in her eyes. She said, do you think that's true? I looked at her and I said, no, I don't believe it's true. Some of the people that I know that have been the godliest people in the world have suffered, and the Bible, we're going to look at it in just a minute, what it talks about in suffering. I do not believe that's true. I said, let me just pray for you that God will give you help in the midst of suffering, and one day that suffering will be over, but let me pray for you. When we got finished, she looked up at me, and her face was shining, and she said, I could take the suffering. But if I thought the only reason I was suffering is because I didn't have enough faith and I didn't have enough trust in God and I didn't have enough courage to just cast it all out, I would feel in my heart that I am so inferior in my faith. I can take it if I know God is with me. You see, if we know God is with us, we can take and understand suffering. Now, Romans 8, and get your Bible, if you will, is one of, truly one of the, uh, the great encouraging chapters in all the Bible. We read through it, and we talked about having victory over sin, and we came down last week to uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. I love this verse, but I hate this verse. Anybody ever have verses like that? I love this verse, but I hate this verse. So let's look at what verse 17 says. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Isn't that wonderful? No condemnation. We are part of God's family. We've been adopted into the family of God. We are there. God has blessed us. God has honored us. We are part of his great family. How, what could get any worse than that or better than that? In fact, together, we are with Christ, and we are heirs of God's glory. We're going to inherit all of the glory of God. Praise the Lord. However, there is one word. If you have a New Living Translation, this is what the word is. But, in this context, I just want you to know something. I hate the word, but. You see, there are people that come to me and say, oh, David, I just love your church, but. Uh, we're going to go down the road. How can that be? David, we they think you're a wonderful preacher, but, but you go too long or you go too short. or you, I've never been blamed for going too short. but uh, You go too long and, and all this other stuff. We love you, David, but 
don't say but, please don't say but. I had a lady come into our church at Brookside. She had had sermon notes like you all fill out. I'm telling you, she had a notebook bigger than this Bible. I mean, it was like that. She came in and sat down and said, I just want to tell you, you are one of the greatest teachers and preachers I have ever heard. I want you to know I have taken every one of these sermon notes. I keep them in this book. I keep them and I write in them. I do my devotions with them. I listen to them. I go back over them. They have helped my family in a hundred ways. I just want to tell you, thank you. And I said, wow, that, that's good. But Uh, my daughter wants to go down here to this other church, so, uh, you know, you're the best, but bye. And I think, oh, man, I hate the word but. It's going to be a great day, but. Well, I think it's going to be a wonderful opportunity, but. Oh, how I hate the word but. But here's what it says. But. If we are to share in his glory, don't say but, please don't say but, we must also share in his suffering. It's about that time you say, oh God, couldn't we just stop just a verse before that? Please don't say but. Now there are some times next month we're going to look into uh, the book of Ephesians. And, and when the word but is used, it's a good thing. But on this particular one, Paul is saying, if we're going to experience all of his glory and we are more than conquerors through all these things, but if we're going to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now take out your sermon notes. We're going to get on this and ride. I just want to give you a few notes. In, in a 20 or 30 minute sermon, 20 minute sermon, I've never preached a 20 minute sermon in my life. And uh, uh, Stan Toller always told me how to preach a 20 minute sermon. I said, Stan, I just can't do it. Some of us have an airplane, has to take off and has to land. You have an old broken down helicopter. It can land any old place. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> but in a 30 minute sermon, giving you the best hope. I can't address all this whole thing. But I do want you to have some biblical underpinnings. Because I know there's a lot of you right now. You're either going through suffering yourself. Or you know people who are going through suffering. So what does the Bible really say about suffering? Let's just kind of hit these and, and move on. First of all, I want you to know that suffering was not God's plan nor God's will. Suffering was not God's plan. I think it would come up on the screen. Suffering is not God's plan or God's will for our lives. No. Okay. Then you can just write it down. Suffering is not God's plan or God's will for our lives. When we began in the Garden of Eden, there was no suffering. I'm not saying there was no pain. 
because pain is a protector of the body. But there was no suffering in the Garden of Eden. God's plan was not that we suffer. And then when you go to the end of the story, we sang just a little while ago, I know how this story ends. We know that the Bible says that God is going to wipe away every tear and all the suffering and sin and shame. All of that will be forever gone. It is not God's will that we suffer. But sin, number two, suffering entered the world through and by sin. I think this is very interesting. That when suffering goes on in the world, what really happens is the people in the world say, how dare God that he would allow people to suffer like this? I can't believe in a God who would allow people to suffer when it's not God. It's our sin and our rebellion and our turning against God. It is sin. And when we see people in hospitals and when we see people going through suffering, rather than railing at God, we ought to say this is what sin ultimately does. I want you to say something with me. This is what I want you to say, that sin brings suffering. Will you say that? Sin brings suffering. Say it again. Sin brings suffering. I'm not necessarily saying your sin, but I'm saying that sin in the world brings suffering. I want you to know young people. I want you to know uh, middle-aged people. I want all of you to know, no matter how beautiful this temptation looks, no matter how good it looks, no matter how wonderful it will appear, before it is over, sin brings suffering. Say it with me one more time. Sin brings suffering. You have to understand that this is where it comes from. The third is that suffering is a reality. I wish it wasn't, but it is. It's a reality of life. We are going to see, we're going to understand, and I wish that we lived in a world where that we didn't have this, but sometimes when we begin to face it ourselves, we begin to have all kinds of questions and, and difficulties. Just understand that suffering is a reality. And number four is much like this. All of us will go through some degree. All of us will go through some degree of suffering. Oh, pastor, I wanted you to encourage me today. Yeah, well, I will. But I just want you to know, when you go through this, the Bible says it this way, don't think that something strange has happened to you. Don't think that somewhere because your loved ones or others are going through uh, suffering of whatever way it could be, just understand all of us are going to go through suffering of some kind. Some of us will go through great suffering. I think it's those people that God gives special grace and special help. My grandmother on the Johnson side, one of the godliest women I've ever known, 
from the time I was a child, a general superintendent's wife, I never knew her a day to not suffer. She was in the bed and, and confined at home ever since that I can remember her. I would watch her as she goes through that suffering at times and as a child I would watch her. There would be times when she was going through pain and I can still remember this and wondered why she did this. But going through that deep time of suffering, she would whisper this, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, why is she saying Jesus? Because in whispering his name in the midst of that, God was giving her grace. Do I understand it? No. Do I, do I comprehend why she went through that? No. Do I understand why she went through that? I don't know. But I know this, that in spite of her sufferings, it drew her closer to God. I knew that in the midst of the suffering, there would be times we would stay up there and I was the oldest grandson on both sides. That's why I'm so spoiled, my sisters say. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, I was, I was the oldest grandchild on both sides. And as a child, I would go up there because my grandfather was traveling so much around the world. And sometimes we would, I, as just a child, I remember being in a room and I, and I tell you, I don't know how this happens. But at 3 o'clock every morning, she didn't need an alarm. She didn't need someone coming in to wake her up at 3 o'clock every morning. She would wake up. And she'd get on her knees. And she began to pray. And as she began to pray, her face began to change. I, I don't know how, as a child, that happened. And I remember, not very often, but a couple of times, her saying to me, as I woke up and saw her on her knees, she looked at me and smiled with tears in her eyes. Now, don't you call me this. But she said, Paul David, uh, why, why don't you get down here and let me pray for you? I can still remember the tears running down the back of my neck. Don't tell me God isn't real. Don't tell me God doesn't help you through suffering. Don't tell me that when you go through hard places that God doesn't care. I want you to know in those hours of suffering, she drew closer and closer to God. David, why did she have to suffer? I don't know. But I know that in her suffering, she drew close to Christ. Suffering does not mean that it's a punishment for sin. It does not mean that. I want you to get that in your mind. You remember Jesus when he was walking with the disciples and they saw the man who was blind. Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, that's nonsense. Neither one of those things happened. This, uh, this sickness is to glorify God. Don't think it's because you've sinned in your own life that it's a punishment. Suffering does not mean that God does not care. 
Could it be that a mother who has a sick child? You ever seen a mother? Have you ever been a mother? Have you ever walked through that time? Little Kaylee was sick not long ago, Hannah, and I know as a mother you were there with her. I know that. And I know that when our, our children are sick, not only is that a time when we care, it seems like we care even more. And there's a beautiful verse in the book of Zephaniah that says this, that I will rejoice over you with singing. Never did understand what that meant until I read a little further. You know what it means? When you're going through those hard times, just like your mother or your dad or somebody close to you will begin to sing a song and calm your heart. God is saying when you're going through those times, if you'll just lift your ear, if you'll just listen, God is singing over you and will comfort you. Oh, it's not that God does not care. He cares more than you can imagine. Suffering will produce some amazing results. I could go on and on here, but God's purpose is to make us like Jesus. God's suffering sometimes causes us to turn from sin. It can be a great witness to get to others. It can perfect us. It can deepen our knowledge and prepares us for glory. Notice as well that suffering will not always be. And that brings us to our text. This is what Paul has to say after he uses the word but. But then he uses another word, yet. This is what he said, but if we are to share in his glory, we also must share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Folks, this is our inheritance. Folks, this is our promise. Folks, this is what we know. And it goes on to say, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies. How many of you are waiting for a new body? Amen. It'll be beautiful. You can eat birthday cake every day, and there's no calories. I tell you, isn't that a wonderful thing? I talked to Bill Pennington, and he said, you don't look a bit different, except you got a pot of gold. I said, yeah, and I understand that. We all need the promise. I just want to tell you, it's not always going to be there's an old song we used to sing a long time ago. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase 
So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Let's go on a little further. We wait with eager hope for the first day when God will give us our rights as adopted children, our new bodies. We are given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, if we don't suffer now, if we already have something, we don't have to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Hurrying through. Suffering will be rewarded in heaven. Those who suffer will be rewarded. I don't understand how and why, but I know this, those that have gone through much suffering. And the Bible says that if we endure through that suffering, we will be rewarded, and there will be a time that God will reward us in the midst of after our suffering. God's grace is sufficient in our suffering. Amen. He'll help us. God's presence is with us in our suffering. He doesn't leave us then. He doesn't leave us in those hours. He doesn't leave us. I love this new song that maybe one day we'll sing that said there's another one in the fire and it starts out by just simply saying that there's a grace for the heart that is under fire and there's another one in the fire with us. He walks with you in the midst of your suffering and God will never let your suffering go to waste. He'll use it. You think it's wasted but he'll use it to his glory. Somehow, he will use it. And finally, suffering causes us to focus on eternity. And lastly, Jesus, God's only Son, and the only perfect one, suffered. And the Bible says that because he suffered, he knows how to help us in suffering. If he was a God who sat on the throne and said, yeah, I hope you get through this, that's not our God. You see, when I talk to people that have gone through the hardest times in life, and if I have gone through that, I can say I understand. But most of the time I have to look at them and say, I have no idea what you're feeling. I have no idea what you're sensing. I have no idea what you're going through. Can I tell you that Jesus experienced everything that you experience. And because he experienced it all, he understands it. He can give you grace. He will reward you. And will one day remove sorrow and suffering forever. Now, as we come to the conclusion, I want you to think about this for a moment. We have been using in this passage, and some of you probably wondered, why does he use this video about Yahweh? It's been for this very message. Because you see, Yahweh, the first time this word was used was when Moses was at the burning bush. 
Do you remember when Moses was at the burning bush and, and, and he saw the bush was burning and he turned aside and God began to speak to him out of the bush, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses, and this is what he said to, to, to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people. The children of Israel were working under bondage and they were living under bondage and they were living as slaves and they felt abandoned and forgotten. But God said, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cries when they've cried out in the midst of their agony and in the midst of their heartache, in the midst of what they're going through, I have heard their cries. But that is not the end. And then he said, and I have come down. I have come down to deliver them. God is saying to you today, I've seen what you're going through. I've heard your sighs in the dark. I've heard your tears in the night. I've heard the whispers of hopelessness and wondering, is there any way I'm going to get through this day? Is there any way I'm going to get through all of this? And he said, I have not forgotten you. I have seen your afflictions. I have heard your cries. And I am come down to deliver you. God delivers in one of three ways. Sometimes he delivers us from the fire. We all want that. My mother who died this last New Year's Eve day, prayed and prayed for so many angels to watch over me that when she got ready to die, she said, David, I worry about you because you've worn out so many of the, the guardian angels I prayed to, to keep you from something. <laughs> and so God sent Pat Moore to pray for me the other night. And Pat Moore said, oh God, as David's going down to Tennessee, help the angels to be around him. And I smiled. And then she said, oh God, help David as he goes down to Tennessee to see the kids not to be hurt by anyone else, uh, all of that. And I thought, well, that's good. And then she prayed, oh God, don't let anybody else be hurt by David. And I thought, my goodness, <laughs> that's <an> amazing. <laughs> my, my kids got a real kick out of that. But that's true. Some, we all want to be delivered from the fire. But sometimes God delivers in the fire. Like the three Hebrew children, I see the form of a fourth man. And that form is like the Son of God. And sometimes he delivers through the fire. 
I always like it when he delivers from. It's okay when he delivers in. But when he goes through, sometimes it's kind of painful. But here's what I want you to know. If God is for you, you can be more than a conqueror over whatever it is that you have to walk through. And even though your heart may be breaking here for yourself or loved ones, the promise is this is not forever. And there's going to be a new body and a new place and a new plan if we just hold fast. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed and our instrumentalists beginning to play just softly here. I'd like to have our elders, if you would. If you're an elder of the church, would you come and just find your way on the inside of the altar? We don't do this very often, but I want to thank, uh, and, and of course our staff, Pastor Deborah. Pastor Deborah helped us so much and, and found a, a, a number of our uh, healing oil uh, bottles and cleaned them all out for us. And here's what the Bible says. If there is any man sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Do you believe that? I do. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not necessarily always healing, but save the sick. And if they have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. And as we tarry here just a moment, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if there is anyone here this morning that's going through emotional pain or physical pain or illness, and you want to be prayed over. I just want you to get up from your seat and come. And one of these elders or staff members are going to pray over you, anointing you with oil. Father, as we come before you, you know we talk about this matter of suffering. We're so glad that, Lord, you didn't treat it as something that was remote or far off. But rather, you entered the human condition and you, or you came into the disordered mess of humanity and suffered like we suffered so that we might be able to have victory. And so, Lord, as others begin to come to pray, and as they just get up right now, and as they sing, if God is talking to your heart and you want to pray, physical, emotional, some kind of pain that you're walking through, just get up while our musicians sing. We're just waiting for you just for a moment. Just find a place and stand and let them pray over you, anointing you with oil. How deep the Father's love for us. You want to be in this prayer tonight? How vast. 
God wants to help you this morning and to touch you in a way that you know that He is with you. How deep the Father's love for through this suffering just let him come and minister to you today amen as they sing the second verse we're just waiting for you here this morning how deep the father's love for you how deep His mercy, how deep His grace. He'll meet you here this morning. You say, well, I'm not sure. The Bible says, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over Him. I believe it's the right thing. Will you just mind God this morning? As we stand, let's all stand together. I'll give you a chance if you would like to come. And we're going to close this time of prayer in just a moment. Yes, as people come, they're just minding God. God wants to meet you here. Oh, blessed Christ. one final stanza and then we're going to have prayer for all. Behold, man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Your sin upon his shoulders. He will help you to become more than a conqueror over all of these things that you're suffering. I hear my my sin. It, it was, was my sin my that sin held him there. It was my there. sin until it was accomplished. He suffered that he might give you grace and victory and be a conqueror over suffering. His dying breath, breath has brought me I know. sing that verse one more time and will you sing it with us together and then we're going to have a final prayer what a beautiful verse behold the man upon the cross let's all sing it together with Olivia she leads us
come before you today thank you that while we live in a broken fallen world we understand that suffering is part of this fallen condition but I thank you Lord for the promise not only of redemption through Christ of and redeeming power for forgiveness of our sin but one day redemption Lord in our bodies that sin and dementia and suffering and heartache and sorrow will all one day be over and that we'll be at home with you forever. So Lord, those that are going through hard places today, give them your glory and give them your presence and give them your grace. For those, Lord, that are walking with loved ones that are, are going through just difficult places, give them a hope that Lord this is not the end it is not hopelessness this is not the end of the story but one day because of your death and resurrection we will know what it means to have a glorified body we love you today and we give you praise let's all of us give God glory and give God praise for You may be seated and Pastor Deborah will come and take our offering. Well, friends, isn't God good this morning? Amen. I praise the Lord for speaking through his word again today. And just praise the Lord. Thank you, musicians, for the wonderful way that you've led us into the presence of God to experience him in our lives here together and again pastor david for bringing god's timely word to us just um also just so thankful that the psalms remind us that we have a testimony that sin will not have dominion over us that's what the word says we are under god's grace and our expectation is for victory just as we sang so this morning as the ushers are coming to take the offering with us i just want to ask you you know our church is renewing and intensifying our effort in prayer we know that we can do all kinds of things but when we come to meet with God we want that it not just be some kind of production but that we connect with him in a real way 
and we connect with him through our prayers and I just invite you each and every one if you are new today if you are our guest please make sure to share on the connection card how we can contact you and also any prayer requests that you have and family of God here at Cap City Church please uh, share your prayer requests because what happens is on Tuesday morning we are meeting at 11 o'clock in the resource room and we are praying for each and every request so please share those with us I also just want to note that if you have made a commitment to Christ today Pastor David has a gift for you at the information center or up here at the front where he is all right pastor David's coaching me we're going to pray for the offering and I get to finish when the offering is going all right so let's pray together father thank you thank you today that we have been together in your presence God it's it's so amazing that you provide for us each and every day and we appreciate that father so we ask that you will bless the offerings and the tithes that we are bringing to you at this time we trust you that you will use these resources for your work and for your glory and we just give to you with thankful hearts we praise you in Jesus name amen amen There are a few final reminders I want to share with you during this offering time. November 7th is first Sunday, and we are going to have a wonderful homecoming celebration here at Capital City Church. Printed invitations will be available next week, and tomorrow some digital ones will be up on our church Facebook page and on the website that you can use to invite friends. Please invite all past members and attenders that you know to come and join us in celebrating our heritage and the future that God is bringing us to. Also want to invite you to please consider volunteering because on election day, November 2nd, our church is a voting site and hundreds, maybe thousands of people from the community will come here to vote and we have some very unique opportunities that we can serve them with so please consider joining that team we've got three weeks to prep up and we don't want them to ever forget the wonderful welcome they receive from the Lord through his people here at Cap City and last I just want to mention that there will be a zoo lights trip sign up for the 55 plus Golden Saints it will be at the information desk starting next week so if you're interested in being part of that event please be back there next week and get your name on the list thank you very much now may the grace of our Lord and the fellowship of his spirit and the presence of Jesus go with us and be with us now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. We're dismissed. Greet someone. Amen. <laughs>